welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Unfair Podcast, a weekly discussion on key trends in investments and economic policy from some of the world's leading commentators. I'm Katrina Atkins, Program Coordinator at OMFIF Sustainable Policy Institute, and today we will be discussing APSA Africa Financial Markets Index, and especially uh, African sustainable finance policies. And I'm delighted to be joined today by my colleague, uh, Nihil Zangani, uh, our Managing Director uh, of the Research. Uh, uh, welcome, Nihil. Um, as so as COP27 uh, approaches, and this year it takes place in Egypt, uh, many expected to address Africa's climate challenges and also to scale up climate finance for the continent. Uh, despite being disproportionately affected by climate change, it's been estimated that Africa receives less than 5% of the world's climate financing flows. In this regard, it's very interesting that uh, recent research by ONFIF and South African bank APSA showed that more African countries are offering sustainable finance products and implementing ESG finance policies. So welcome, Nikhil. Uh, I'm happy to be joined by you here today. And uh, so just let's start. Can you please briefly introduce what is this uh, mark, uh, index about and how, how, how was your research? Uh... Yeah, sure. Um, so the uh, African Financial Markets Index, or uh, AFMI for short, uh, it's in its sixth year this year. And the project really is to evaluate uh, African countries' financial de market development um, based on various measures of market accessibility, uh, openness and transparency. Um, so what we do is we look into over 40 indicators um, split over six different pillars um, about the aim of really trying to see is how countries can reduce the barriers to investments uh, to drive sustainable growth. So as part of that, we have uh, quantitative data analysis, but also ONFIF uh, has conducted surveys uh, for over 50 organizations across Africa uh, to produce this index. Um, so that includes central banks, uh, exchanges, uh, regulators, and, and market participants. And as mentioned, this is split across 40 different indicators and various different pillars. And the index is, is always evolving. So this year, we're all quite excited to include three new countries, uh, bringing the total to 26. And that was with the inclusion of Zimbabwe, Madagascar, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And this year, you also added sustainability criteria into the index. So please explain why it has been decided to include the availability of sustainable products and also indicators on ESG policies in it. Sure. And yeah, as, uh, as I mentioned before, the index is, is always evolving. And as, as part of that, we take a look at our methodology and, and whether we are have the most robust gauge of the market accessibility for various African markets. And so as part of that, we decided uh, last year, in fact, that we should be adding various different uh, indicators of sustainability-focused policies within the index. And, and our thinking really was that ESG assets are clearly gaining importance by global investors. And so for African markets to be attractive and accessible, which is the, the key aim of the index, they should be looking to build a sustainable framework into their financial markets. So that's why we added um, sustainable policies. And in terms of what we included, one of the pillars, as I mentioned, is six. So in one of the pillars, we looked at the depth of financial markets, uh, including product diversity. So as part of that, we scored countries higher for those that 
have greater sustainable product offering like green bonds or other social bonds or uh, green equities, for example. But also in our third pillar, which is titled market transparency, uh, tax and regulatory frameworks, which is essentially the bedrock on which these financial markets are built. Here we included ESG policies, which incentivize the development and transparency of sustainable markets. So that includes things like uh, policy incentives to issue green assets, uh, as well as providing clear market standards. Um, so that might include things like a taxonomy, for example. Uh, and finally, we added uh, an indicator as to whether or not countries implement climate stress testing uh, as part of a broader measure we look at on financial regulation. Thank you very much, Nikhil. It's really, really important that you have added this uh, into your analysis. And so as we see, the momentum is growing uh, around these uh, policies. And uh, my following question uh, is about sustainable product offerings, as you mentioned. This is something that you covered this year. The ESG-linked assets uh, are relatively scarce across the African continent, but they are becoming more widespread. And this is what your research has shown. So um, what can you say about uh, the sustainable financial products in Africa? And uh, are there any new discoveries that uh, you have found out? Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right to mention that the uh, ESG-based assets are, are still relatively scarce in Africa. So in terms of for those that are listed on domestic markets, uh, nine countries uh, we found offer ESG-linked assets uh, based on the, the sample of 26 uh, in total. So there's still a way to go to to uh, increase the offering across the whole of the continent. Um, but having said that, we have seen that there's progress in, in this uh, arena. So uh, the country that seems to be uh, among the most advanced in the space is, is Morocco. So they had already issued uh, green bonds domestically last year. Uh, and other uh, ESG-linked assets. And since then, it's quite interesting, one of the survey participants uh, mentioned that they uh, issued a gender bond uh, in December 2021 uh, and a new green bond uh, earlier this year in July, uh, uh, together which was a value of over 100 million uh, US dollars. So they're clearly making further progress on, on building their ESG uh, product offerings. Uh, and, and another really interesting trend that we, we saw uh, our finding that uh, was brought out in this year's report was that Tanzania was a new country that was added to the list of, of those in Africa which offer ESG-linked assets. And this was particularly notable in the sense that uh, it was done by a corporate, uh, NMB Bank Tanzania, which listed what they said was the uh, Jasiri bond, which was the first gender bond in sub-Saharan Africa, which has been floated on the uh, Dar es Salaam Stock Exchange, which is their local stock market, their local securities market, sorry. And it's really interesting that the, the proceeds from, from that bond will be used to extend affordable financing for, for women-owned or women-controlled con, women uh, enterprises. So this is one of the few social bonds that we've seen in Africa listed domestically. And I think there's, there's probably scope to, to um, kind of drive further development in that space across the continent. Yes, thank you for outlining these countries that are spreadheading the development of sustainability and green gender bond market uh, across the continent. Uh, and as we conducted the survey, uh, I wanted to ask if uh, this, uh, the survey participants highlighted any opportunities or maybe challenges uh, related to sustainable financial product offerings. I think one of the challenges that was mentioned is 
one of the interesting things is that there, there does seem to be demand for sustainable sustainable products in Africa. And uh, one survey participant in Kenya mentioned that there was concern that there was simply a lack of uh, opportunities to invest in that, the green investment space locally and that there perhaps wasn't the opportunities they would like. So it suggests there is there does seem to be demand, but maybe the supply is lacking. And I think as part of that, and it's why we include it in the index, is the importance of building a, a, a clear framework yeah. to so that countries and corporates are comfortable in exactly what a sustainable product is, what it should look like, and what a successful uh, offering is to the market, but also for there to be the right incentives in place to be able to push governments and corporates into the, in, in that direction. So I think that's both one of the challenges right now, but equally, flip it on its head, that's also an opportunity where it seems like the demand is there. It's just a case of building the right framework to, to be able to uh, offer those products. Yeah, and uh, interesting, this uh, what you highlighted about the supply, really what we can hear uh, some of our conversations as well. And I think that this will be raised uh, at COP27, the, which uh, this year is sometimes called uh, African COP. Um, and yes, uh, many hope for some successful outcomes for the continent from, from this event. And uh, also, based on the results of uh, your research, uh, what is your outlook for the availability of sustainable products in the continent in the coming years? I think it's there's likely to be continued progress uh, for, for a few reasons, really. I think one is that financial, traditional financial markets, I guess you could call them, it's, it's very difficult. They're in choppy waters right now for uh, African companies' uh, sovereigns. Uh, we've seen you know, a massive sell-off in, in equities and, and bond valuations, uh, and it's very difficult to then uh, raise additional financing um, on, on those, I guess, traditional financial markets. But I think that that equally means that there's an incentive there to, to innovate and perhaps uh, look through new av avenues to raise financing. And perhaps ESG is, a, is a one avenue through which that can be done um, to be able to tap into a new investor base and access greater financing to drive new innovations. Uh, as mentioned before, it seems like in, in, in certain places anyway, there is the demand for, for those ESG-linked assets. But equally, and I think you touched on this at the start, uh, it's clear that climate change seems to be hitting Africa harder than most regions. Uh, most continents right now. And what, one of the things that popped up in the, in the survey that we did is there were quite a few concerns, particularly among those in, in East Africa, of a recent drought, which has led yeah. to uh, very difficult economic circumstances, food shortages, and also has added to uh, inflationary pressures in those countries in particular. And so clearly there's an incentive there for countries, if they're unable to access some of the financing through official means or through supranational bodies, um, perhaps they should look to build their domestic markets to try and raise financing to build their own resilience really to climate-related risks. So I think for those two reasons, firstly, that there seems to be some demand, particularly in these difficult financial market times, there still seems to be some demand for ESG-linked assets, but equally, I think there's an incentive for sovereigns and corporates to to supply them, to be able to to finance new projects and build their resilience to to climate-related risks. Yeah, and I agree with you. And also, I think that developing knowledge and experiences are very important across the region. So to become uh, not the followers of international good practices, but develop their uh, own uh, leading examples. 
And uh, that's what uh, international organizations are doing now with the uh, like World Bank, for instance. So are you okay if we now switch a little bit the topic and move to uh, ESG-related policies? As we, as we mentioned at the beginning that uh, you also included this uh, ESG-related policy like climate risk regulations, uh, market standards, taxonomies uh, in your research this year. And that's why my question would be, what have you seen? Uh, could you talk me through this uh, ESG-related financial policies uh, that you looked into and what were the main findings? Sure. I think that here is where we saw some really encouraging progress. So whereas uh, 12 of the countries had implemented some form of financial, sustainable financial policies, this year uh, it's increased to 17. So that's the majority of the countries in our index. Um, is is making progress on this front. So among the highest rises on on these um, on these indicators were Namibia and Uganda. So in Namibia, for example, the stock exchange there issued an update to NAMCODE, which is the guide that they use uh, for best practice principles for listed companies. And as part of that, they uh, stated that listed companies will now have to appoint a social ethics and sustainability committee onto their board. So that's clearly a, a step that's been taken to make sure that companies are, are focused on, on ESG issues uh, within Namibia. And in, in Uganda, uh, the stock exchange has, um, is embarking on an ambitious new plan. They've, they've put out a five-year project uh, to build their financial markets in that touches on various aspects like uh, big data, for example, and artificial intelligence. But also one of the things they explicitly mentioned was to uh, build their sustainable uh, financial market offerings. So it seems like uh, countries are moving in the right direction on that front. Uh, equally, another couple of developments that we saw is that in Mauritius and Kenya, uh, the central banks there in the last 12 months have issued requirements to financial institutions to incorporate climate factors into their risk management strategies. Um, so in essence, this is, uh, seems to be a form of climate stress testing. And uh, these two countries join uh, South Africa and Egypt in, in the four countries in the index, which have some form of climate stress testing, um, which again is encouraging progress, but also you know, four out of the 26 countries in the index is, is not very many. And so there's, there's clearly scope to, to continue to develop in this space. Well, that's a, that's a very uh, good answer. Thank you. And so in terms of the countries which have scored uh, the maximum, so can you repeat, please, what were they and uh, what trends uh, in those countries uh, have you noticed? Sure. So uh, in terms of this kind of broader policy framework in which countries seem to be doing the most on that front, as mentioned before, Mauritius and Kenya yeah. uh, are pretty well advanced uh, on that. Um, they also have some form of market standard and uh, policy incentives for issuing ESG assets. And it's a similar case with, with South Africa. They, they've certainly done a lot in the, in the past year or so. Um, so, for example, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange uh, issued a disclosure guidance, which is uh, kind of market standard for green issuers or, or issuers to issue green assets. And South Africa has its uh, own uh, taxonomy, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, exactly. And that's something that that we saw in the in the index and one of the the 
the survey respondents mentioned to us is that they've issued this uh, the new green taxonomy. I think they're one of the first in Africa to do this, which again, it, it helps to set the, the framework as to defining what a green asset is, giving some uh, clarity to issuers and investors um, to then help to drive further progress on uh, ESG-linked uh, asset issuance. But yeah, I think South Africa is, is as mentioned before, it's one of the few that's uh, really doing the most in this squad, uh, relatively highly on these measures in our index. There's a few other countries which uh, clearly still have have scope to, to improve. But having said that, they're, as, as mentioned before, 17 countries in, in the index are now doing something within the sustainable policy space, which I think is encouraging. Uh, yes, that's really encouraging. And what about the if we compare the situation this year with the situation that uh, you have uh, the, the research has shown for the last year. So uh, has anything changed since the time when OFF just introduced this indicator, so ESG policies? Yeah, I think um, I think one of the probably one of the more interesting things is perhaps within Africa you might expect countries like South Africa, Egypt, Mauritius, and Kenya, which tend to have some of the more developed markets within the continent and, and generally score. Uh, within the the top ten, I think uh, in our index this year uh, overall, so they have relatively developed markets to start with, and so it's perhaps uh, no real surprise that they're making progress within the sustainability framework. But I think one of the perhaps more interesting things is some of the uh, countries with uh, less developed markets are still doing, um, still making progress within uh, the sustainability space. So uh, one example is uh, Eswatini where they issued uh, market standards for ESG assets earlier this year. And uh, elsewhere, for example, in Zambia, actually this, this happened uh, earlier this month and hasn't been include, uh, included in our uh, index, unfortunately, but it's certainly something that's worth referring to is that in their recent budget, uh, 2023 budget, the, uh, uh, the finance ministry implement, is implementing a plan to exempt exempt the holders of green bonds from uh, with uh, the 15% withholding tax on interest income. So it seems there that they're trying to de- uh, drive greater demand for green assets. So I think that was one thing that, that certainly struck me in this year is that we're not only seeing progress in some of the bigger African countries and more developed ones, uh, but also some of the smaller ones as well. Yeah, that's uh, inspiring examples you gave uh, us and uh, our listeners. And uh, from your point of view, uh, why is it significant for African countries to continue their work on sustainability-focused policies? What is your outlook for ESG policies in Africa? Yeah, I think I kind of touched on this before in, in that it's it's very difficult for a lot of the companies and sovereigns in Africa right now to, to go to domestic market, to go to international markets, sorry, and raise financing. I think yields on on government bonds, for example, are, are well in the double digits for quite a few countries. Um, so they're effectively locked out of international capital markets. And generally, we've seen a lot of pressure on equity markets this year as well. So I think what that means is that it's it's worth considering alternate ways to raise financing for, for these countries and, and companies and perhaps tapping into a new investor base um, that are more focused on ESG-linked assets might be one way to go. Um, so I think that's that's a reason for the potential optimism over over continued progress within uh, sustainability focused policies. 
Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing your outlook and giving us such a brief overview of uh, what uh, you have been working on. And this index is a really good read. Uh, so I would recommend everyone who is listening to us to go to our website and download it and uh, read in detail what our findings are. And any final remarks for our for our listeners? Yeah, I think I'd echo that. Definitely encourage uh, everyone to to uh, to look into our report. And also, I, th I guess more generally, is to look into what's going on, uh, keep an eye out for what's going on in Africa right now. Obviously, there's the COP27, as you mentioned, uh, going on in Egypt, but it does seem like there's quite a lot of innovation and, and development in, in the space within Africa. And, and perhaps it's at a global scale, sometimes it gets left out because it's a small share of the global markets. But, um, Certainly, from from doing the research for this index, I was I was struck by just how much progress there's been in the last year. So, I think Africa's definitely one to watch in in the coming months and, and years ahead. Yeah, definitely. So, thank you so much, Nikhil, and thank you for listening to us. You can subscribe to this and all other OnFIF podcasts on our channel on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the OnFIF podcast.